Good morning. We are learning the Mahana of Yashir. And yesterday, we spoke about the power of song. We spoke about the difference between the service of the Kaihanim versus the Levim and the Beis HaMikdash. Until um, the third paragraph on the second page, we were speaking about the Avaida and the service of the Kaihanim from above to below, drawing from Amadeus Kassia down into Amadeus Kalia. But then we were left with a question, how is it possible to combine these two opposites? How is the Kaihan's service, which is not just obviously for the Kaihan, it's a service that he facilitates for all of the Jewish people, something that's actually possible to happen? And the answer was, through the Avaida of the Levim in the Beis HaMikdash, through the song, it enables the Kaihanim to do their job, and it enables us as independent, separate beings in this world to experience the oneness and the truth of Hashem. And so we said that that's possible through song because song is, song touches a deeper place within our heart than intellect does, than understanding does. Understanding touches our seichel and song touches the deepest part of our heart and of our soul. And when we're able to touch that, which means to reveal that and feel it in a tangible way, anything is possible because that deepest part of our soul transcends not only Amadeus Galia, but also Amadeus Gassia. It's one with God from a place where Hashem is alone. We have the level of Atta, which is Amadeus Galia, Hu, which is the level of Amadeus Gassia, right? Because Atta means you, I can point at God and see him here. Amadeus Gassia, the hidden world is him. When we point at God in a way where we don't see him and we refer to him as him, and then we have Hashem as he is alone. And that is Hashem as he is not connected to the worlds whatsoever, as he transcends the worlds. And from that place, again, anything is possible. And the seeming limitation of, of limited people who have a perspective of Amadeus Galia being able to experience Amadeus Galia goes away. Right? And that happens when the Levim would sing in the Beis HaMikdash. We don't have a Beis HaMikdash today. We have prayer in place of the Karbanais, although we'll see that we also have the Avaidah of the Levim in our prayer, which enables us that when we say Baruch Atah and the Shmanasra, when we're doing the Avaidah of the Levi, of the Kayan, and drawing from one world to the next, we're helped by the Avaidah of the Levim. What would be the Avaidah of the Levim in our davening? Where do we have song in davening? Ashrei, Halalukah. Do you know what that section is called? Psukei de Zimra. What does Psukei de Zimra mean? The verses of song. That's what they're called. From Baruch Shamar until Yishtabach, we have a section of davening called Psukei de Zimra. The verses of song. And as we're going to learn, you're supposed to sing them as much as possible. And we're going to learn why based on what we've said, right? That song is going to help us to reach a place within ourselves and to reach a place of God, which will then enable us to do the following Avaida, which is that of um, the Shmanasra and that of the Kaihan. So we have, um, in the morning, we have the morning blessings, and then we have the Karbanais, which are very long, where we actually literally detail out the daily Karbanais that were brought in the Beis Migdash, because 
davening was put in place of the karbanis. And there is an idea that when you learn the laws of anything in Tyra, but let's say, for example, of the karbanis, it's as if you sacrifice the karban. So when we're repeating it and learning it and reviewing these ideas, we're putting ourselves in that place spiritually. After the karbanis, we have, um, we have haidu which I think would be the beginning of Sukkot de Zimmer, technically. I'm not sure if it would really start with Haidu or with Baruch Sha'amar. From what I remember, it's Baruch Sha'amar, but, and it could be that the Ashkenazi sitter is a little bit of a different order from what I remember. I don't know if Haidu comes directly before Baruch Sha'amar in Ashkenazi sitter, I don't remember. But um, from Baruch Sha'amar, then until Ishtabach, we have Sukkot de Zimra. Then we have the blessings before the Shema, right? The, the blessings that speak about the angels, and we're actually going to have a, a mimer that discusses that section of the davening as well. Then we have the Shema, and then we have the Shema Na'asrei. And so let's talk a little bit about the Psuke de Zimra. Basically, taking everything we discussed yesterday, we can apply it here, right? That when we sing the Psuke de Zimra specifically, we are able to touch a part of our soul that we would not be able to touch just by saying words, or just by thinking ideas, or just by learning about God or Tyra. It allows us to touch, to reach a place that will then help us to transcend the limitation of being either limited to this world or the, or, the, or the other world, to this reality or the other, to this perspective or that. Okay, so let's see that idea inside. And with that, we'll finish off the concept of song for now. We finished off on right here, on line 41. Okay, so go to where the threes turn into the fours, the second four. We ended off... The very, very important verse right before, which was. Pardon? Yes, that's where we ended. Right, right after the right after the full stop. So we have here. We said that the truth is that no thought can grasp God, and so thoughts and intellect and understanding have a limitation when it comes to connecting to God. But when we, ex- when we get excited to the depth of our heart, that we reach the point, the deepest point of the heart, and that causes that this truth of our soul does not remain hidden, right? Surrounding us in a way that's not per- that doesn't permeate, but rather that it becomes revealed. Song accomplishes this, that it takes the deepest point of our soul, which is usually concealed, and it brings it forth. And it does it in a way of excitement, right? The excitement that reaches the depth of the heart. We cannot reach that place through intellect alone. And so we can take all of this now into the davening. So and through this, they established the verses of song, that they should come specifically before Krishma. And that's why we call them the verses of song. Because they are a level of a song. Which takes words and, ex- and widens them and expands on them. Takes a word and it adds a tune. And then it explains the idea with an additional explanation. To explain it very well. To excite his heart and his soul. She that he should be excited by this. Which is not the case. When he says the verses, then it does not reach the depth of his heart. 
then he is not reaching this level of song and melody. And this is not a complete service. So his davening is not complete, which doesn't mean that he wasn't halakhically did his obligation of davening if he doesn't sing. But it's not a complete whole. Tama means whole service without the aspect of song. Because song takes the words which come from our logic and it helps those words to reach a place where they could not reach on their own. And just remembering a story, there was a Rebbe, the Majnitsa Rebbe, who had to travel to Berlin for a surgery. And when he got there, they told him that he was actually too weak to get the the anesthesia. They weren't able to put him under, but he needed to have the surgery. So he told them, okay, I'm going to sing a niggin. And when you see that I'm kind of like really into the niggin, you can start operating. And he started singing. And when they saw that he was, you know, really into it, they operated on him. And he sang for the whole time, the entire operation. And he got through it. And it's called the Mojnitsa niggin. I don't know how it goes. Anyone wants some homework? You can find out how the Majnitsa Nigan goes. It's a very popular Nigan, apparently, in Hasidic circles. It's very, very, very long. There's some things I think, to say that it has 45 stanzas or something. It's very long. And he composed the song while under anesthesia. So song can definitely take us to places that transcend the mind. There's a story. I'm, I'm, I don't remember every single detail, but I'm going to give it to you as I remember it with the Alter Rebbe. He traveled to a town, not Vilna, but another town like Vilna, which was like a hub of Torah learning and also a hub of, there were a lot of Hasidim there, but a lot of anti, 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 Mislagdim. Um, and so he went to the shore there and they had like kind of like a Q&A where the people of the town were able to come and prepare the questions for the Alter Rebbe. And people were coming and firing question after question after question after question, like really tough Questions at the Alter Rebbe, challenging Hasidus, or just generally to test the Alter Rebbe's knowledge, or genuinely to know, all, all three, maybe even more, types of questions. The Alter Rebbe heard them, and then he gave a verse. He said a verse, which I don't remember, um, from the Torah, which speaks about song. And he started to sing a nigan. And he sang, and he sang, and he sang, and he sang. And everyone like, went into a trance. And he sang for a very, very long time. And by the time he finished, everyone in the room said that their questions had been answered. All of their questions had been answered, somehow, from this nigga. They didn't have these questions anymore. And uh, then it brings this verse, which definitely is the punchline of the story, but I don't remember it. So we know, and as we discussed yesterday, that song has a tremendous power to touch a place that is, we can't, touch it by logic alone and usually we really do depend on logic for almost everything specifically in the western world we're very into kind of putting knowledge above all else we study for years and years and years which is a good thing i mean within judaism we have this aspect of studying of torah learning of knowledge very much on a pedestal but it's not the only way you know we have there's these Eastern traditions, which you could think are just like totally nothing to do with Torah, but that's not true. Torah is not a Western, a Western um, religion, the Torah, right? It transcends both of them. And actually, um, it's a very interesting message. I might have told you before that when Avram sent Keturah, who was Hagar, his, how do you say? 
his wife slash no concubine i guess we would call her right there's i feel like there's another word but there's a word for it yeah no no okay well let's call her hagar we we know who hagar is ishmael's mother when he sent her away it says that he sent her bearing gifts and the major says that he sent her bearing gifts of wisdom and he sent her to the east and that the wisdom of the east comes from avram through keturah very interesting. Just an interesting medrash. Um, you know that there are different focuses, you know, in the West versus the East. And West puts a lot of focus on knowledge, basically as the ultimate form of, 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 self, of where you, a person can reach. And the East, which I'm not so familiar with, but definitely, I don't know if it's knowledge that is put, you know, it's a lot more reaching places, not only through thinking, actually quieting the mind and reaching places that are deeper. We have both of these elements in Judaism. So obviously knowledge is incredibly important, but we will always hit a limit when it comes to our knowledge. And the reason for that is because God cannot be known. God is unknowable. So we can know certain aspects and levels of him, but then we will hit a, reach a limit. And if we want to reach higher than that, we need to go to a deeper place. What's it called? Um, those uh, like Eastern practices of like Hindus and Buddhism that are very like occultish, um, is there like some truth to it in that sense because that the they were like i don't know if we would call it cultish it's a religion right and then yeah, within like, within all religions there are cult like oh, aspects uh, and they're extremists no, sorry I said, oh, um, cult, not cult like like the like the the supernatural things they claim they do ah, like yeah that. yeah listen it's very it's it's probably I, i'm gonna go on a limb here and say that out of all of the major religions like Buddhism, Hinduism are the most con- close to Avaita Zara. Okay. Of what we would call like versus, let's say, Eastern Christianity, if we would like put them. So I'm not like advocating that we go to the East and just like take on all of their religions. We have our religion, but there are certain part, with, there's a certain element of wisdom that we learn from all religions. The truth is every religion, religion has some sort of wisdom. It wouldn't have held for so long if it didn't and something that we can learn from it. And we don't have to learn it from there. We can learn it from the Torah, but very often what happens is because we live in a Western world, which gives us kind of specific aspects of wisdom and lessons, we can forget that the Torah has other parts as well. But then when you open your mind and say, well, there's all these mess- different kinds of messages, there's the East and there's the West. Now let's, let's put the religion out of it, but just like the underlying message, let's say that there's a transcendent level you can reach beyond wisdom, or that wisdom is the highest thing you can accumulate, we can take from both. Not to say that we're advocating for, for different religions, right? Or that we should even partake in them. It's, it's quite dangerous to, when it comes, when it comes to the line of Avaidazara here, it, it's, it, you need to be careful. Um, but that's not to say that we cancel out all the wisdom that exists there. As the Medrash says that, that Hagar went bearing gifts, the wisdom of Avram to the East. So, yeah. So, so there is like some, some element of inspiration from Judaism in Hinduism. Yeah, we could say that. I guess we could we could put it that way. Yeah, not all of it, but but certain messages, absolutely. Again, we sometimes really tend to think of Torah as a Western, because the truth is that a lot of the Western world is based off of principles from the Torah, right? Like Judeo-Christian values, which the Western world's kind of built up on, comes from the Torah. But that's not to say that it takes all the Torah into account and that everything in the West is, is Torah and anything not in the West is not. Anyway, it's just a bit of a tangent. Because um, I, I had a whole interesting discussion on my podcast with someone um, 
with a, a very interesting lady who who does like who teaches women to get in touch with their intuition she's like a mind body coach and she's from and she, we were kind of discussing this idea that um we tend to throw these ideas of like maybe intuition and just connecting to the body and beyond the mind kind of discredit that as being woo woo but it's actually there's so many sources in torah for these ideas um and here we're, we're saying the same thing that yes knowledge is important but we're going to hit a reach a point where we get stuck because when it comes to our soul our seichel our chokhmah is a part of our soul but it's not the only part and it's not even the deepest part and the chokhmah vashem is a very high lofty part and it's real but it's also not the deepest part if we want to transcend that we need to think and not, there's also other elements and ways that we can transcend that right but in this context, we're learning about song and how that enables us to do it. So when we pray, we are taking our intellect and we're speaking, right? Although actually, more like the Anshe Knesset Sagodala took their intellect, gave us words, and we say them and try to understand them, right? Um, but we're saying words. But when it comes to Psuke de Zimra, it's not enough to say those words. We need to sing them so that it can help us reach a deeper place. So that by the time we get to Shema, by the time we get to Shema Nasre, we're able to actually do that element of service correctly. Does that make, make sense so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. The Zeu, okay, so now we're going into Az Yashir. It doesn't explicitly talk about Az Yashir in the form of song. We're gonna get, we're gonna get to like the end of Kriyas Yamsuf, but just to add a, a point, we haven't yet discussed taken everything we've learned and applied it yet to the splitting of the seat. We're still going to do that. Okay, this is still all an introduction to that. But the fact that they sang a song after the splitting of the sea, as we're going to see, represents the idea that they were able, they were, it was a symbolism of the heights that they had reached, the depths of their own hearts and the depths of God that they had been able to reach in this experience, which allowed for this experience of the splitting of the sea. And it's represented by song. Now what we're going to do, before we get to the crux of why did God split the sea based on everything we've just learned, we're going to take verses from the Az Yashir and based on everything we've understood until now, understand them on a deeper level. Okay? So on Vazel. Okay, after Vazein Zuavayda Tama. What line? It's a very good question. Four lines from the bottom. Yes. You got it? Vazeu Ashira La Hashem. Okay. So in Az Yashir, we have Az Yashir Maishel Vene Yisrael. Then we have Ashira La Hashem Ki Gao Gaa. I sing to Hashem because he is Gao. Gao means that he's exalted. And Gaa again means beyond being exalted. God is exalted beyond being exalted. What does that mean? We praise Hashem because he's exalted beyond being exalted. We sing to him. Pirush, this means. That this level of song and the message of the song that they sang, who is? Because because God is raised up, he's exalted, above, from being exalted. Okay, what does that mean? God, okay, the word exalted is not what we usually tend to use. So he's, he's above, okay? He's, he's raised up above. So when we say that God is above, we mean that God is above the world. He's beyond that which we see here. He's exalted. He's more than that. So when we say he's exalted, he's above, he's beyond. We're talking about Saivev Kolalman. We're talking about Keser. We're talking about Amadeus Kassia. That there is a hidden element of God that is working in this world that is beyond what we see. 
That's what we mean when we say God is exalted. And that's what we discussed at length about Amadiscasia, this hidden world where God is giving equally to everything, where there's a perspective in this world of absolute oneness and connected to the source. So when we say I'm singing to God because he is exalted, but then it says Gaiga, he's exalted beyond being exalted. And that's the message that we've just been learning, that God is not limited to just being exalted. God is not limited to just having created the world and being beyond the world. God is even more than having anything to do with the category and definition of worlds whatsoever. That's the level of what we said, Hashem is, he is alone. Ga means God is exalted beyond being exalted. He's even higher than the level of Amadeus Gassia, than the level of Sav of Kalman. He's even beyond Keser, as we know. He's beyond being involved in the world whatsoever. How can we appreciate this level of Ga'iga? Ashira la Hashem, by me singing to God. When I sing to God, I can appreciate and I can tap into this level of God as he is exalted beyond being exalted, as he is even greater than being infinite, right? God is not limited to being infinite. I've asked you guys this question before. Um, did I ask you guys about the Beis HaMikdash? When we, when we daven, where do we face? Mizrach. East. Mizrach. What, well, here we face wherever the Kaisel is, right? We yeah. face the Beis HaMikdash. Why? Because we're standing in front of Hashem. Or maybe during the Mishkan, I mean, Beis HaMikdash, they would stand there. I don't know. I okay, yeah. <laughs> Standing in front of Hashem. The Shechina, the Shechina is stronger there. Same? Okay. Is God everywhere? Yes. Yeah? So what does that mean we're facing one direction when we're... But doesn't he dwell everywhere? What do you, when you say God is everywhere, doesn't that mean he dwells everywhere? The strongest, his strongest Shechina, strongest presence in this world is there. So he's more in some places than other places? It's a problem. Some people really have a problem with facing the Kaisal, you should know. They're like, God's right here. What do you mean? What's the answer? God is not limited to the fact that he can be everywhere and also be present very strongly in the Beis HaMikdash. So... When we say God is everywhere, we say God is infinite. He's unlimited. He's everywhere, right? And then we say, well, God is actually limited to this one tiny specific speck on the earth and we face that way because we want to connect to him. Both are able to be true at the same time. Why? Because we're talking about God. God is not limited to being infinite. So we speak about Amadeus Skasia, when we speak about Saiba of Kalam and everything we've discussed until now, we're talking about the infinity of God. God as he transcends the world, right? But we've got to always remember that God is not limited to being infinite. He's beyond the concept even of infinity. The fact that we can understand this concept of infinity, the fact that we can talk about the fact that God is everywhere and we, it kind of makes sense in a way, right? Although for my daughter, she's still getting very confused by it. Um, like, so is Hashem in the candle? She'll like always say, so Hashem is in this? I'm like, yes. She's just is not getting there so far. But it's, it's, it's something we can understand, right? The idea that God is infinite. The fact that we can understand it means that we're not talking about God. We cannot grasp God. There's an element of God that's beyond being able to be understood whatsoever. So when we say Ga, that's what we're referring to. When we say that verse in the Yashe, we're referring to the fact that God is exalted beyond being exalted. He's raised up even beyond being infinite. And we can reach that place through song. 
we can reach that level of understanding, but it's not actually a level of understanding because we can never understand it. We can never truly understand how God could be everywhere and can be mainly present in the Beis HaMikdash. That doesn't actually, that will never be able to sit well in our minds because it's an idea that transcends our understanding. He's beyond even, he's, be, he, he's beyond being beyond the world, whatever that means. We can't reach that place through understanding, but we can reach that place through song. So, because God is exalted even beyond being exalted. When we say God is exalted, we mean in the light of God that transcends the world and gives it to everything equally because it's so infinite. That everything is considered nothing compared to him. That's Gaia. So of Kalamim, everything we spoke about until now in that category. The Gaya Al Gaya, who is Barach Baatzmai, of Echvaidai, Ein Saif Barachu Mamish. What do we mean when we say that God is exalted beyond being exalted? This is Hashem Himself in all of His glory and His infinity. Barachu, where He is blessed, Mamash, literally. Delays Machshavat Fisa Beiklau, where no thought can grasp Him. He's beyond being understood, comprehended, or reached logically because it's a level that completely transcends any form of thought or logic. The level we've been speaking about this, this whole time, a level where Hashem is alone. Where we cannot put a value to his holiness. Okay, so this, word, this verse is interesting. The way that the Altar is explaining this verse here is different than how it's usually understood. When we say the verse, we mean we cannot put a value to his holiness. That we cannot actually categorize and define just how holy God is. That's what the simple verse of the mean, the simple meaning of the verse is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. We cannot put a value to his holiness. The way the Altar explains it is, that even his holiness, the fact that God, what does Kadosh mean? Kadosh means separate. That he is separate, that he's beyond. We cannot even compare him to that. We cannot even compare God to his holiness. We cannot define God by his holiness or by the fact that he is separate or the, by the fact that he is transcendent and that he's inf- infinite. Lefi, why? Because she'ena begeder amen klal. Because God is not in this category of worlds whatsoever. Does that make sense? The way that the ver- the simple we can't really define His holiness. But the way we've understood it, we can't compare Him. We can't put a value on Him according to how we understand Him to be holy. It's according to the fact that He is separate. Yes, God is here. Yes, God is separate. And yes. The truth is that he's actually beyond being here and he's beyond being separate. Hadassah, you look confused. Are you confused? No, no, no. No, okay. (laughs) You're like touching your head. No, no, no. Okay, good. Does that make sense so far? Questions or comments on that? Okay. It's basically taking everything that we said yesterday and bringing verses and putting it into the context of Az Yashir and of this verse. Now we're going to go to another verse. I think it's even a continuation. I'd love to open a sitter quickly, actually. Um, is there a sitter here? Thank you. Thanks so much. Let's just open up the Azyashir. This is all right at the beginning of the Azyashir, from what I remember, but let's see inside.
Thank you. Okay. okay. So we have Ozya and Israel We will sing a song. And they said, saying, I will sing to God because he is exalted beyond being exalted. It's the, the opening verse of the song. And we've understood that now according to Hasidus. And now the next part of the same verse, Sus the horse and its rider he raised up in the sea. So that's we're gonna take a look at the at the Hasidic interpretation now of the of the second half of the first verse of Az Yashir. And that's what we're really gonna be focusing on for the rest of when it comes to the text of Az Yashir. Okay. Line fifty. And therefore, because of the fact that Hashem is Gai God, that we sing to God and we appreciate the level of God that is exalted being, beyond being exalted, therefore, the horse and his rider he raised up in the sea. Simple meaning of the fact that God raised up the horse and his rider, that there was the Egyptians that ran inside, the horses with the riders on top, and they were all raised up in the sea and then tossed around and they all died. We're going to understand this from a deeper spiritual place so that we can get to the message of what was really happening when the seat split. It is written about a horse and his rider. Because you will ride on your horse, your chariots of salvation. To explain this idea. So we're going to now talk about horses and riders Nothing to do with actual, physical, real horses and riders, okay? Dehine. Okay. Ha'aisiais nekraim sosim. Letters. Okay? We'll see speech. The letters that make up speech are called horses. Why? This is actually brought in a lot of places of Hasidus. I just really? learned to mime with the shluchas and we also, that what, horses are letters. It's a marshal for a letter. Why? Because a just as a horse is totally nullified, given over to his rider, the rider decides where the horse goes and that's where the horse goes. And the rider leads him. It's the same with the letters of speech. They are totally nullified, given over to the intellect. And our intellect leads them hopefully there are some people like myself who sometimes the words seem to come out before you've even thought about them but the truth is that you can never ever say anything without your intellect deciding that you're going to say it first whether it was really deeply thought out or not that's another question so just as so a source is a, a source a horse is not a letter it's not speech but it's a marshal for a letter and just as we see that a horse has a rider and the rider controls where the horse goes and that's where it goes, so too letters, speech are dependent on the rider, which is our intellect, which decides what we're going to say and how we're going to say it and what letters and words are going to come out of our mouth. The seichel leads the speech. However it desires. Yitnu, that's how it will express itself. Ach, mikomakom, however, yesh yisroin male basus. There's actually an advantage to the horse over the rider. 
What's the advantage of a horse over a rider or the advantage of speech over intellect? What do you guys think? Not responsible. The horse is not responsible for anything. Okay. <laughs> Although he does have a job. He still has a job. Horse can overpower. The rider can't get anywhere without the horse. The rider can't get anywhere without the horse. Uh. Right? At the end of the day, when you're riding a horse, I'm in charge. The horse is going to listen to me, right? Maybe I'll have to give it a few extra, whatever, this or that, to make it listen. But I'm in charge. But at the end of the day, you could be as in charge as you want. You need the horse to get where you need to go, right? That's why you're on the horse. Otherwise, you would just walk. Same with speech. It's very interesting because this is something that we really do see in our lives, that our intellect leads our speech, runs and runs and is in charge of what we say and controls it but it's dependent on our speech. When we really want to understand something, very, very often, especially women I've found, myself, you need to speak it out, right? Have you ever had that, that you don't really know what's going on in your head and then you start to talk and talk and talk and then you're like, oh, that's what was going on, right? Mm -hmm. You think, wait, but the, the intellect is controlling the speech, but the intellect also needs the speech to help clarify actually what's going on up there, right? To help lead the intellect to a place it could not have gone if it had only stayed up there, if it had been limited to just being intellect, just as the rider needs the horse because it would have been limited to its own capabilities of walking if it did not have the horse. So, there's an advantage that the horse is able to lead the rider to a place that the rider is not able to go. There is an advantage to the letters of speech. They can raise up our intellect to a very, very high elevated level. In a way that it would not be a, the, the intellect would not be able to understand it from itself. As we clearly see, right? It's something that we have all seen in our own lives. That through speech, it adds an influence to his understanding. He adds to his understanding when he speaks. And that's why a very, very integral kind of part of learning Torah is this concept of chavursas, right? Chavursa learning. You could think, why would we be so stupid as to take two people who have been learning all day and stick them together to learn together just so that they can distract each other, right? The answer is that if you just stay learning in your own head, right? You just sit and you read and you read and it's all up here, you have a disadvantage, because when you speak it out and you're, you have to explain it to the other and talk it and, and do it together so you're forced to speak, you actually understand it in a way that you can never have understood it without, without speaking. So this is something that we see very clearly. Now we're going to take this idea and explain it in the context of prayer. If anyone's ever had the question of why does our prayer have to be spoken, this is why. Okay? And it is a very fair question, right? You, we know that intellect comes from a much deeper place within our soul, even within our body. It's much more sophisticated than our speech, right? You cannot, and, and actually, 
the Tanya of today speaks a little bit about speech versus intellect. You cannot compare the letters of speech to, your, to the infinite, infinite potential of our minds. It's like, it's just completely, completely different levels. So we would think that in order to really tap into our soul and to reach God through prayer, it should be silent. And we should think it out. And we should meditate on it, which there is an element of meditation in Judaism, but that's not prayer. That's before prayer, after prayer. Prayer is speaking. Why? Because when we speak, we're able to reach a place in our hearts, in our souls that we could not have reached if we just stayed in our intellect. And then, as we mentioned previously, when we sing, that's which, when we sing, that's which we are speaking, when we've brought out a level of our soul through speech, and then we sing it, we're tapping into an even deeper place. And we're going to see the Susvaroch Varamavayom, what the context is there. So Vakahu Anyan Benefesha Adam, this is the same idea in the soul of a person. Hamadaberis Vatvila, when he speaks, when he prays, Hagam Shehadibur, Hurak Milavushe Hanevesh. Even though speech is only from the clothing of the soul. What's the clothing of the soul? We've mentioned this briefly. Thought, speech, and action, right? We have the soul as it is and then the soul as it expresses itself. We express ourselves through our clothing and our soul expresses itself outward into the world through thought, speech, and action. So even though speech is only from the clothing of the soul, the lo erch klal, and you cannot compare it whatsoever, legabe mohus hanefesh atma, to the essence of the soul itself. You cannot compare speech to the ultimate infinite potential that exists within our soul, it's just a small ray of the truth of our soul that's coming outward in speech. However, it spreads forth when we speak the words of our soul, which prayer is doing, right? We say, Please can you open my mouth and my, my lips will say, will say, and we're saying, God, speak through me. But what are we saying, God, speak to me? Let my soul th- speak through me, right? So, our soul spreads forth to become thought, to become intellect, to become emotions, and later, later to become speech. Nevertheless, even though it's just a tiny ray of the infinite potential of our soul, when we speak, when we pray, and especially when we sing, it creates a surrounding light to the soul. And here I think it's actually meaning a surrounding light because then it says, that surrounds the soul, that surrounds the body from the head until the feet, to be Tzura. I actually have to check. Tzura is like entrenched, but I have to check. Let me make a marker here. I'll let you know tomorrow. Es Hashem Mamash Hashem literally. Bechule, etc. Kmaishakasov. As it's written, Belekutei Amarim in Tanya. Mashaloi Hayakayach Beneshama Mitzad Atma. This allows the soul to do something that it itself would not be able to do. The soul itself does not have the same power 
as it has when the soul is expressed through speech, right? Just as we don't really understand something until we've spoken it out, our soul gets an, gets an, gets an elevation when we speak the words of prayer, when we speak the soul outward. And it's written in Tehillim, that God does not desire the strength of the horse. And God does not want the, shock means the thighs, but the, I guess the thighs of the person, the strength of the person, not the strength of the horse. Hashem wants those who fear him. So a horse is the letters of speech. The rider is our intellect. God doesn't want our speech. God doesn't want our intellect. He wants those who fear him. Why? Key? Because the level of letters, which is compared to horses, it is talking about an element of limitation. The moment we say speech, we mean limitation. When God spoke the world into being, he limited himself. When we speak our thoughts, we limit our thoughts. We limit our intellect. So horses represent gvorais. Gvora means strength. Horses represent a certain strength. The more horses and, right? I don't desire the strength of the horse. But gvora also means the limitation of the horse, the contraction, the concealment of the horse, of the letters. The ke'inyan And I will speak your gvorais, this is in the ashray from, from Tehillim, and they will tell of your gvorais, of your strengths, to tell people about his strength, again this is from ashray, this is speaking about many, many limitations. In order for the soul to go from being an infinite point that is one with God to saying a word, right? There are infinite, infinite levels of differences between these two things. So at the end of the day, a horse and speech and letters, as great as they are, as much as they express God and as much as they express our soul, are a limitation. Minim, minim, shinim, all different types of different contractions and concealments. So we can create the upper worlds and the lower worlds. So that the truth is that everything that we know, the spiritual worlds, the physical worlds are all, means his strength, but also his limitations, the way that he's contracted and concealed himself. Because the truth is that nothing about him can be known. God looks and he gazes to the end of all generations. And he knows about all the generations initially. And he created the entire world with just one thought. As it's written in another place. Okay, we will elaborate. We, we said a lot of things here, which is taking what we explained about letters and what we explained about intellect, the horse and the rider, and we're going to explain what does it mean God took the horse and the rider and he raised it up in the sea. 
The horse is our letters of expression, the way that we express our souls outwardly. Our intellect is a deeper place of our soul. God took both and he raised them up into the sea. He raised us up, as we're going to see, to a level that transcends both speech and intellect. He raised us up to a level that transcends all limitation completely. That's basically the message. It, it took us a while to get there. I'll, I'll, I'll go over this a drop more tomorrow so it's more understood. And um, then we will get into the splitting of the sea. Please, God, take this all and explain why did God split the sea. Any questions or comments on what we've said? Good? Okay. Have a great day.